This is Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSC, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. Welcome to RSC Stories. Today, I'm joined by Hannah Verdonk, the Head of Operations in the ND Lab at Stanford University. Hannah and I worked together on the FreeGenes project, and I have very fond memories of debugging various genomics and chipping APIs. She's here with us to tell us today about her backgrounds. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. I know that you are relatively early in your career and you hail from Berkeley. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Stanford? Sure. So I came into Berkeley as an undergraduate in molecular and cell biology. And about halfway through my time there, about sophomore year, I was looking into biological careers and I saw that computational biology was an option. And asking around, asking current grad students, I realized that I'd need a lot more coding experience than I had, which was none. So I started taking some CS classes and here I am today. So did you feel that the only way to get coding experience was to take CS classes or did that just seem like the best option at the time? It really just was the best option for me. I learn better in a classroom setting where I have you know, some accountability and someone to help me through the process. But I've had a lot of friends uh, learn CS through outside resources or online resources and they're doing just as well as I am. So. I would absolutely recommend however you can learn, how you should learn. So how would you say your outlook on just biology in general changed after you learned a little bit of programming? Did it change the way you look at it? Did you feel really empowered that you could like program anything that you could think of? It really opened up a lot of what I could do and what questions I could answer. Uh, whereas before I was really approaching problems from a wet lab perspective, now I could study larger and more complex problems. So my focus in college was genetics. And in modern genetics and genomics, nearly everything is done using computer science and different computer programs. So it really helped me to understand how all those programs worked and to use them. Cool. So when you were still an undergrad, did you work in a lab or did you have any particular projects that were especially interesting? I did actually. I worked in the Blackman lab over in Berkeley, studying the genomics of sunflowers and of monkey flowers. And I really enjoyed it. I feel like I learned a lot as a researcher and as a scientist in you know, curating and managing data, keeping data clean, keeping things robust and backed up. So as much as the lab learned from my contributions, I think I took a lot more away. Okay, so let's get that back for the biology noobs. Please tell me what a monkey flower is and then tell us sort of what you learned from your work. Sure, so a monkey flower is a little, cute little flower that Honestly, it's the, we like to call it a charming flower. It's something that's often found in gardens. And what I learned about it, and more generally what I learned from my time in lab, is about genes, about genetics. 
how genes change over time with evolution, which ones are conserved and kept the same, and which ones change in the process of becoming new species. Cool. No, I had this lovely little mental imagery of like a little monkey with flower petals growing out of his head. And <laughs> I, I think I'll choose to maintain that because it's, it's quite lovely. <laughs> it's a good image. So when you look back to your lab, I, I guess first I should ask, what does a research software engineer mean to you? A research software engineer, which to be fair, was not what I was doing, is someone who develops software to be used in a research capacity. So in the context of your undergraduate lab, do you think that you had enough support by way of research software engineers or someone acting sort of in that role to help you to write scripts or set up tests or anything else that you might need? Yeah, I did. I had two wonderful direct mentors by the name of Melis Ackman and Jack Caliccio, who helped me to write the scripts, make sure they ran. They helped me to understand the uh, supercomputer that we did all of our work on. And then more generally, the PI of that lab, the principal investigator, Ben Blackman, he helped me to chart a course for myself in biology and more importantly, in biological computer science. I noticed that you also have some internship experience that looks like it was an industry. What would you say are the biggest differences between working in an academic lab and then in industry? Really, there's pros and cons to both, and I'm actually still pretty new in my career, so I can't say I'm super well informed about the industry versus academia divide, but in my personal experience, what I found is that it's mostly a different culture. Here in the ND lab at Stanford, I'm with people who are closer to my own age, whereas at my internship, most of the people were a little older than me. Interesting. And from also personal experience, I can tell you that in industry, it, it totally depends on the company and, and so many factors. So it'll be fun for you to have more experiences and to kind of form opinions on this and then probably ultimately realize that like it totally depends on the specific people that you're working with and you really can't make such broad comparisons. But I thought it would ask. <laughs> yeah, and thank you. I'm excited to find out. I noticed something also that you wrote in a biography. You said that you kept detailed records of your research efforts, and it really stuck out to me because documentation is a very unsexy thing. And so I was sort of tickled that you mentioned it. Can you tell us about how you kept records and your thoughts on why those records are important? Of course. In the sciences, one of the first things you're taught actually is to keep meticulous records in the form of a lab notebook. This, of course, to improve reproducibility of your experiments. So in my scientific career, I would keep notes in a physical lab notebook, which I wrote down before every experiment. And then as I got further into my computer science career, I'd use common tools like GitHub or Bitbucket to keep track of my software and use version control. Have you found that there's some aspect of writing things down on paper that hasn't been well reproduced by technology? Perhaps it's because I haven't explored technology fully, but I find that drawing pictures is much quicker and easier than trying to format pictures or figure out how to get the computer to make things look the way I want. 
Oh, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you finish up in undergraduate and you've had a lot of experiences. How did you end up at Stanford? How did you find ND Lab? It was an interesting story, actually. I was on a trip with a few people, a few friends, and one of them was a graduate student in a different department. And I asked him if he would, you know, float my resume around since I'd graduated recently. And he said he would. He said he had a list serve that someone must be checking. So he sent it out. And a few days later, I got a call from Mark, who's Drew's personal assistant. Cool. What has your experience been like in ND Lab? What are your favorite things you've done, learned? What have been challenges, et cetera, et cetera? The biggest challenge for me was going from an undergraduate environment to a more professional environment. Because with any job coming out of school, the first thing you learn is how much you didn't learn. And by that, I mean, there's some things that can only be learned by experience. I've had a few, you know, small mishaps in the lab where things didn't occur to me because I never had to do them in school, like adding the correct antibiotic to an overnight culture. But overall, I feel like I've been very supported here. People have been great teachers and I feel like I've learned a lot. That's awesome. How have you found it living in the Bay Area or is it relatively comparable to Berkeley? So I actually grew up in San Jose. So the whole area is somewhat familiar, although there are certainly pockets of difference. They're all nice places to live. They're all expensive places to live, but they're all really fun. That's great. So you're pretty close to your family still? Yeah. If you kind of think of the next couple of years of your life, do you have your sights set on graduate school? And if not, have you thought about next steps or sort of how you want to grow from your current role and then what potentially you want to try next? In my field in particular, it's often extremely advantageous, I'd almost say required, to go on and get a PhD so that you can obtain research funding. That's something I knew going into the field, and that's something I actively wanted. So in the next couple of years, I am hoping to matriculate into a PhD program. But from there, I'm not really sure where I'm going to go. I'd like to do more research, but academia or industry, I don't know yet. And you know what? That's totally okay. Is there a particular area in biology or a particular question that is sort of drawing you in? Uh, I like medical research, disease research. There's a lot of new and emerging science that's really pushing the field forward, and I'd like to be on the cutting edge of that. I'm interested to know, so I, I graduated from Stanford, and I promise I'm asking this with no sports team bias or even <laughs> interest. I am totally agnostic to school rivalries. But I'm I am not. <laughs> okay, maybe this is a dangerous question then. No, no it's okay. I, I don't know a whole lot about sports. Okay. I'm interested to know what you found to be the biggest differences between Berkeley and Stanford. Oh, I'd say, and it's hard to say because at one I was an undergraduate and at the other I was a working professional, which is already a very different divide. I think in general there aren't a lot of differences. Both schools have very hardworking students and talented professors. They do have slightly different food areas, downtown areas, slightly different lingo, but for the most part, they're both cool places. 
For someone that is listening and is new to biology, what would you recommend good ways to get started or to get involved with the community? If you're looking to learn a little bit more about biology, uh, YouTube and other online resources are always great. There are a number of community labs, certainly around the US and in other parts of the world that are always looking to educate people. I would start there. You talked about research software engineering in the context of your undergraduate lab, and you said, well, I didn't really do that. How do you see research software engineering at Stanford? Is there a need? Do you have people in your lab that act as research software engineers? I would say there is a need for research software engineers. A lot of, at least biology, research software right now is written by biologists who don't always have training in how best to write a piece of computer software. But yes, I would agree that there is absolutely a need throughout the whole field, not just at Stanford. Other than forgetting an antibiotic or something like that, what's the biggest challenge for working in biology lab that has a lot of computational things going on, but also a lot of like real biology? Time management is always a challenge. There's always things going on in lab and always things going on outside of lab that need to get done, particularly with the wet lab side of things. Experiments can be quite time sensitive. Uh, you may only have a window of a few hours in which to do an experiment that might conflict with other meetings or other work that needs to get done. So time management is a crucial skill. Okay, so we're coming up on time. I'll ask you just a few more random and fun questions. Sure. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? And if you went out right now to get it, where would you go? Uh, I'm torn between cookies and cream, which is my classic favorite, and mint chocolate chip, which is more of a new favorite, but also very good. If I went out right now to get it, I know there's a few ice cream places downtown, but I don't remember their names. I know one of them is a, uh, like a micro creamery. They're pretty good. What exactly is a micro creamery? I'm not sure, but I know they make all their ice cream by hand, which is really ah. Yeah, that's really cool. If you had to stop being a biologist right now and pick up and do something else, what would be, what's your plan B? Probably a computer scientist because I already have some of the training and it's an interesting field. There's certainly a lot of opportunity around me given that I live in the Bay Area, uh, but I don't know. I, I love biology. I would hate to leave it. Just a hypothetical question. Don't worry. Oh, no sure. Our people get it all the time. Not like I don't have a backup. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for coming on RSC Stories today. I believe you're just our second biologist, and it's really cool to get not just your perspective on biology, but your perspective in working in all these different kinds of labs. And I think the next couple of years are going to be exciting for you, and I think you're going to learn a lot. And please reach out to either me or the USRC community if we can be helpful. Help. Thank you for having me on.